It's the biggest problem in Australia is Australians live in a capitalist society and don't put enough capital into the marketplace. It's crazy. You can't live in a capitalist society and live off your wages. It just, you have to go and find socialism to live off your wages and not deploy capital. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today, we're going to dig into the Reserve Bank. Yes, the golden gobnick himself, Philip Lowe, has once again raised the stakes. 12th time, interest rates have gone up. What does that mean for you? What does it mean to me? What else is actually unfolding that we need to actually spy upon? Yes, today we're going to be spies. We're going to spy on the government. They may spy on us, but we're reversing the conversation. We're spying on them. What are they doing? What are the little trigger points which are potentially inflationary, which you need to know about? That's today's show. Hey, welcome aboard. If it's your first time tuning into the program, play the show in double speed. Get your life back. Yes, speed me up may give you more things to do with your life because you've only spent 20 minutes listening to me instead of 45, which is way too long for a podcast. So my podcasts tend to go for a long time. They can go for an hour, an hour and a half. Who has an hour and a half spare in their life? The only way to listen to my podcast is to play me in double speed. And of course, welcome back regulars. Appreciate you giving me your earballs. Yes, being part of the journey big part of my job is simple. I share information on real estate. And of course, most of my podcasts are actually lessons on real estate. So if you like the idea of learning about real estate, feel free to go back and uh, listen to some episodes which focus on being a solid property investor. But hey, today it is worth talking about because it is hot, a hot, hot topic the 12th interest rate rise in a row. And of course, for the Golden Gopnik himself, Philip Lowe, he's come out with some absolutely crazy things. He's notated that uh, tenants should really focus on renting rooms rather than properties now, which is mind-blowing. And he's also stated he probably thinks people should not leave the family nest because it's too dangerous out there. Wow. The Golden Gopnik has really added another notch to the belt. Uh, I cannot see Philip Lowe not winning the Golden Gopnik Award at the end of the year. I really struggle. But is he being set up by government to fail? Obviously, interest rates are one way to deal with inflation. But there are other ways to curb inflation. And of course, that is raising taxes or cutting government spending. Is the government really spending too much or creating inflationary policies to hamstring Philip Lowe? And as such, he rocks up to press conferences with no answer other than we should all have lodgers living in our house. Yes, it's time to have roommates inside of your household structure. 
families, husbands and wives. You have a spare room rented out. That's the answer to the riddle of inflation. Well, of course, uh, in some respects, the great supply disaster is also a great re-spatial change disaster. In other words, spatially, we are requiring more space. And of course, when you have a large proportion of society now using their home to communicate through work, they're going to need more space. So the idea of just throwing more people in a property isn't going to cut it because a lot of people now also work from home. And of course, if you've got four roommates, that might be a little bit difficult. We obviously have a massive supply shortage. There's no stock being produced. And if you think about what that actually has, uh, why that has become the way it is, you have to go back in time. All of these decisions are crazy decisions that remove landlords from the marketplace. And when you remove landlords from the marketplace, you create an inflationary situation. Government, APRA, they got behind the concept of um, deposing landlords from the marketplace through uh, lending parameters. You had uh, supply withdrawn from the market, from foreign investment. And now you have a real problem on your hands. And today I don't have the answer to that problem of resupplying the Australian property market, which will take five years if it got started today to solve. But we certainly are not going to see an end to inflation uh, happen overnight. It's just not going to unfold that way. So the Reserve Bank uh, only has one blunt instrument, and that is raising interest rates to curtail inflation. But are they being set up by government? I think we need to have a look at some of the recent government policies to go, hang on a minute, we need also government to cool down and make sure that they're not over-injecting money into the economy. Inflation is really caused by government spending. You and I don't spend enough money to rattle the tin uh, when it comes to huge, huge movements on inflation. Government causes inflation, and if we can rein in government, we're all going to be living very happily. Obviously, there is a rise in economic output. And again, a rise in economic output can create good inflation. There is both good inflation and not so good inflation. Good inflation comes from, for example, a more prosperous country. If your country is growing uh, robustly, it can be great because it means you're going to get pay rises, you're going to see things move in a symbolic or uh, in a uh, harmonious manner. So obviously, generating economic growth is a principle, right? You can increase uh, the amount of uh, capital in the economy, you can increase the amount of innovation you do, you can grow your labor force, or you can increase your population size and by doing so, obviously create more uh, production. Here in Australia, though, uh, when we actually analyse the growth rate of Australia, March to March, 
it's 2.3%, which is good. That's the country's growing. But the inflation rate is well above 2.3%. And this is where the Reserve Bank is lifting rates because the inflation data over the last quarter has gone back up from 62 to 6.8%. So they've put the cash rate up to 4.1%. Now around the globe, uh, most countries are also putting rates up. Uh, you've had America, the Fed has raised rates to 5.25%, previous 5%, a little bit different economy over there they particularly with housing they have 30-year fixed rate loans in America as opposed to here we generally have a variable rate interest to our home loan marketplace but most interest rates uh, around the world other than China China has seen actually its rates go down so you are seeing China and Japan some of these uh, major trading partners of Australia, their economy is uh, not getting fueled by inflation. They are uh, actually handling it uh, seemingly a little bit better. Even Russia's interest rate has gone down. Wow. Uh, However, if you look at, for example, the United Kingdom, its cash rate's gone from 4.2 to 4.5%. Canada is also experiencing rising interest rates. And of course, Germany is the first OECD country to fall into recession. Yes, the Germans uh, have a recession on their hands. And of course, their cash rate has, uh, has gone up steadily as well over the last 12 months. Obviously, the Germans uh, were buying gas off the Russians, which is never a good thing if you're going to go and have a proxy war against each other. So, of course, energy is the big challenge in Germany, which uh, when you're a manufacturing economy, you need a lot of energy. And uh, the Germans certainly have not played that one too well, ending up in a place where their economy is recessive. I guess where we find ourselves today is almost a period of stagflation. Like the economy is not booming. Um, It's growing. It's growing at a rate well under inflation. But it's fair to say you can't really compare this era to other eras. We've had plenty of times during economic uh, transformations of inflation unfolding, but very different jobs markets, very different economies in the past inside of Australia. So it's it's really very difficult to go, well, we had 18% interest rates In the 90s, uh, well, we had a completely different economy in the 90s. We had different things that drove economics. You could go back to the 1970s where you had stagflation, a stagnant economy with high inflation, completely different household structure. You had typically one income generating homes. Now we have uh, two people inside a house generally working so 
always be skeptical of information when compared to the past. All we have is the present and really where we're headed is into the future. But if we think about some of the government uh, activities of late, are they deflationary or inflationary? Um, I think it's fair to say a lot of the government decisions are actually enabling inflation, not disabling inflation, which again, some of the commentary coming out of the Reserve Bank is, well, governments are doing some things which we've got to take into consideration when we set the interest rate. Now, again, interest rates are just one way to curb inflation. You can stop government spending, which would probably shave at least half to 1% of off the current cash rate if you were to do that. But governments, they're committed, they're pot committed. It's your taxes, your taxes getting thrown back into the system. Obviously, the rate of which governments do that uh, sticks to the inflation rate. And this is why I think probably the Reserve Bank should aim for more a 4% inflation rate. I think that's more accurate because, again, when you have high levels of inflation, all of a sudden, many people start to actually feel the cost of living. And again, I think we're at an interesting point an interesting junction in time where really the top 40% of uh, wealth people inside society, whether they've got assets or income, the top 40% are going to have access to capital. They're going to be able to continue to trade through this situation. The bottom 60% of society is caught in this whirlwind where Really, they're living week to week and to save a deposit, for example, to get into the market, they're going to need, for example, the government to pay for them to get into the housing market because there's just no way they can save uh, at the rate of which they can outpace uh, the cost of living. It's just not practical anymore. And again, this is why from a property investor's point of view, I like safer marketplaces where the top 40% of incomes are where the top 40% of affluence is. And the reason being is the access to capital in those marketplaces is much higher. In other words, people can deploy money and outpace inflation with their investments of course, this is an important principle. We don't want to be dragged down if we're a property owner. We want to be dragged up by uh, certainly people able to keep up with the rat wheel, which is unfolding. And inflation's just exactly that. It is eating away at your wealth. If you're not earning uh, or able to deploy capital, you can get left behind. And, and again, we're starting to see uh, really society um, certainly go down that road. And when we think about Australia, it is not a middle-class society. I know we feel middle-class. I know we act middle-class. I know most Australians are very humble. Uh, there's not too many Australians that, you know, like the idea of taking their wealth and buying a Lamborghini. It's it's not us. It's not our uh, way of 
of living. We have this concept here known as tall poppy. And uh, again, um, Australians are very, very, very simple people when it comes to how they display their wealth. But behind the scenes, you've got a very wealthy class, a very uh, uh, poor class, and no middle class. And really, if you want to understand how to extrapolate that as a property investor, the top 40% of incomes can deploy capital and move money around and, of course, grow money. The bottom 60% struggle to deploy capital. If you live in a capitalist country and you can't deploy capital, you're going to get steamrolled when it comes to uh, really how you live your life. And on top of that, we've got a country which is growing. So we're going to keep up with the minimum amount the country grows by. And on top of that, we've got to keep up with CPI or the inflation rate so that we stay ahead of the curve. The current uh, inflation level is 6.8%. So we've got to earn more per annum uh, to keep up with that 6.8% increase in the cost of living. We can't do that through our wages. We have to do that through wages plus assets. And this is the big challenge for people. If you can't deploy capital in a capitalist society, how are you going to keep up with the inflation rate? And then, of course, the hope is inflation goes back into its box so that those people that can't keep up with the cost of living uh, have no problems in their life and don't need to deploy capital in a capitalist country. Well, I don't think that's going to unfold. And again, I'm uh, a very, very uh, boisterous that really I think the overall uh, inflation rate will probably settle in the high threes, low fours. And that's where uh, I think we'll end up getting back to as a country where we feel more normal around the concept of inflation. Even interest rates will come back down. But is the government helping or helping inflation be stickier? And it's probably fair to say I think governments are creating stickier inflation for the Reserve Bank. Uh, the Golden Gopnik himself, Philip Lowe, he's really uh, only got one instrument. Government obviously needs to lend a hand. Otherwise, uh, the Golden Gopnik himself can only do one thing, and that is continue raise interest rates or keep them high for longer. And uh, really, I think we're at the point where we're probably at the peak end of interest rates. They can't go up much more, maybe a quarter of a percent, but they're not going to go up another 5%. We're already at the point where we're starting to see ec the economy starting to slow down and even jobs starting to be shredded. So what's the government doing to fuel longer inflation? Well, there's a few policies. Up. Let's discuss them. Uh, and uh, again, these are, these are policies which we openly discuss inside of our business, which we find are mad. Uh, let's start with the first one, Victorian land tax. Wow. Generally, when you tax capital, that has a effect on inflation. Why? Because anyone who owns a property in Victoria now is going to pass on that cost 
in a low supplied marketplace of stock, a marketplace devoid of stock with a 1% vacancy rate, guess what's going to happen to rents in Victoria? They're going to go up even further. Now, the Victorian land tax concept is is just being introduced by Dan Andrews. Wacky Dan's back. He's uh, he's doing some wacky stuff to Victoria. And uh, he's, he's created a land tax concept there where land values now can be as low as $50,000 and they're going to get a land tax to pay for lockdowns during COVID, which is mind-blowing, right? So, uh, you know, the check's in the post for that one. And this is what I, I was saying two years ago. The check is going to be in the post. Austerity measures will happen. Guess what? Here's one of the first austerity measures. Let's pay for some of that debt, which was used to prop up uh, lockdowns during the COVID situation. And of course, though the tax is very, very minimal, we're talking like 500 bucks to a thousand bucks per annum, it's still going to create stickier inflation. Why? Because things are going to cost more. Rents are going to go up in Victoria. And again, for property investors, it's not such a problem because again, you're just passing on the actual cost to someone else. And this is again where we will see higher rents in Melbourne and of course, probably higher property values in Melbourne as the less informed property investor actually goes, land tax, don't want anything to do with it. So all of a sudden you're removing a huge producer of sales in the Melbourne economy out of the Melbourne economy. In fact, if you want capital growth, do the opposite, actually buy into the Victorian economy because uh, there's just going to be less supply. And what less supply does is create higher rents and higher values. That is not deflationary, that is inflationary. And again, the government in Victoria has just created an instrument of inflation. In fact, rents are of the total inputs to inflation, they make up 6% of how inflation is calculated. And again, we're just going to have high rents. So what does that mean? Stickier inflation. What does that mean? You've got to deploy more capital to keep up with stickier inflation. We're not going back to 1.8% inflation rate. We're not going back to 2%. So what does this mean? You have to embrace the pain. You've got to work through and workshop what it looks like. You've got to deploy more capital to outflank the stickier inflation, which is going to unfold. So that's the first government policy. Obviously, second government policy, we've had, uh, obviously, grab a mate, grab a girl from the pub and go and buy a property as a first homeowner as the first homeowner grant system unfolds. Yes, you can now basically team up with someone else to get into the property market. And of course, why this is a thing is people at the bottom of the economic food chain cannot deploy capital. So government 
will help sponsor you into a property by be- deploying their real money into the marketplace on your behalf. And again, if you're thinking about becoming a property investor or a property owner by virtue of taking the government money, you absolutely should. You'd be mad not to because again, your job in a capitalist country is to deploy capital. And of course, uh, if we want to understand what that looks like from an inflationary, is that deflationary or inflationary? It is inflationary. If you ask more people to join the property marketplace uh, and you prop up their them entering the property marketplace, that is generally in a low-supplied economy going to, again, create higher price points. And, of course, that's a win for property investors. We love properties going up in value. But again, it all comes at a cost. And that cost will be the cost of what we borrow money at. And then unless we start to embrace the fact that we're going to be borrowing money higher than what we were doing, obviously, mid-pandemic, we'll never get on with our life. So let's just move on. Uh, You're going to pay more for money if you're going to be a property investor. It's as simple as that. And so there's no point in sitting around waiting. Your job is to outflank inflation. In fact, you will build a bigger bridge the more you sit and wait because, again, we're not going back to 2% uh, anytime soon. Maybe 36 months from now, but for the next uh, for the next period of time, you're probably going to be borrowing money at 45 to 6 6.5% interest rate. Obviously, I like Bill Evans. He's got some theories on where the interest rates are headed. Bill's a great uh, economist. He is the head economist of Westpac, and we'll have a look at what Bill suggests will be the interest rates to watch. He's pretty accurate at this point in time. Obviously, government has also just put up the income for 2.75 million Australians. Yes, They've got a wage increase from uh, the current minimum wage of $21.38 per hour to a new minimum wage of $23.23 per hour. It actually represents an 8.65% increase, but uh, across the awards, it rounds out at 5.75% as a wage increase. Now, that's great because, again, it's tough for people at the bottom to uh, keep up with the cost of living, particularly if they can't deploy capital. Uh, but is that inflationary or deflationary? It's obviously an inflationary trigger. If you put wages up, that uh, puts up uh, inflation. And again, the conversation here is, Inflation will take longer to suppress. It will be stickier. And therefore, we've just got to move past the concept that rates are just going to go back to zero in the next 36 months. It's never going to happen. Uh, Why? Again, if you give wage boost to 2.75 million people, money is going to come back out into the economy and go to support the new foundation of what things cost. 
And so what things cost are actually going to start to be set in stone. Rents are not going to go back down. Rents, if anything, will continue to rise again. What does this mean? It creates stickier inflation and it's just the way it works. Today's a tough conversation, but hey, let's just get on with it and get moving because there's money to be made in the real estate market. And again, if you can deploy capital where the top 40% of incomes are inside society, you're going to do so well. I mean, I'm looking at properties which cost a million dollars, which honestly perceive them to go from a million to two million in the next decade because they are in the sweet spot of where uh, value ultimately lies in the current economy. I honestly think there is such value in certain pieces of real estate at the moment that I'm certainly jumping in there and I absolutely think there's a million dollars to be made over the next decade just from a buy and hold strategy if done right and if you can keep up with where the most capital can be deployed in the marketplace. If you can't, it's going to be a slower growing marketplace for you. But hey, you'll outstrip inflation, that is for sure. All right, well, we've seen Vic Land Tax, inflationary, first homeowner grants, inflationary. We've got obviously minimum wage increase, inflationary. We've also had a pay rise for temporary skilled migration, uh, uh, the TSMIT, basically temporary residents here in Australia that have to be employed on a certain rate of income to get their visa. Their rate of income has improved. So it's gone from 53900 to $70,000 per annum. Again, the government has helped a wage increase through policy. This is government policy. This is not a free market. This is not an employer going, oh, Bob works so well, I want to give Bob a pay rise. No, this is not free market economics. This is command market economics. The command has come from government to put wages up for temporary migrants uh, again, inflationary or deflationary? This is going to create stickier inflation. Now, it's not the conversation whether the temporary skill migrants should be paid more or less. It is the conversation is something going to cause deflation or cause stickier inflation. This is all I'm communicating. I certainly advocate for people to earn more money if they're uh, underpaid. That is something that I truly believe in. But we are just talking about the pure fundamentals of economic ideology of inflation versus deflation. This is the conversation. So don't hate me. Don't send me hate messages that uh, you you know deserve more money. I get it. We all uh, we all probably deserve more money. But uh, I'm just having the inflation conversation today. Obviously, we're also trying to bring uh, a huge amount of migrants to the country. And of course, uh, something like 750,000 migrants over the next 24 months, they don't own anything here. They don't have somewhere to live. They don't own a piece of furniture. 
Uh, and obviously, you're going to get a lot of retail stimulus and spending off the back of that. Again, is that inflationary or deflationary? Well, it does have a deflationary effect eventually on wages. But as we can see, the government has made sure that low income earners and new migrants actually get paid more. So new migrants that end up getting into the skilled economy will get paid more. So of those 750,000 migrants coming, obviously there's a mixture of students that work on the minimum wage, they're going to get paid more. There's a mixture of skilled migrants that get a visa, they're going to get paid more. So the government is attracting people, paying them more, which is inflationary, creates stickier inflation. And finally, if we, and we could go on for days here, by the way, like this, this, there's that many policies, but uh, probably the latest one, uh, New South Wales government, which of course is, uh, New South Wales is home to the most people in Australia. Uh, there's something like 9 million New South Welsh people or persons uh, in New South Wales government has just confirmed a 4.5% wage boost to the public sector. Yes, the government is giving a wage increase to uh, part of the public sector, which is great. Like teachers, underpaid. Nurses, underpaid. Firefighters, underpaid. We're paying them all. Inflationary or deflationary? I'll let you be the judge, right? We're seeing stickier levels of of inflation. Government is not helping the golden gopnik, Philip Lowe. Uh, if the government wanted to help Philip Lowe, they would be very unpopular. They would not have done anything with their latest budget. They would have said, here's the budget. We're not spending a cent. Uh, and we would ultimately have less inflation stimulating around the economy. So, if we track Bill Evans, Westpac chief economist, um, his predictions are, are, are really coming to the foray. Like his prediction was May 2023, a 4.1% cash rate. Uh, we are in June 2023. We are now have a 4.1% cash rate. So basically uh, his forecast was, uh, was bang on. A uh, couple of days behind, but bang on. Uh now, really, the sticky inflation that we're going, we're talking about, by March 2024, we, in Bill's um, forecast, will drop back down to 3.85%. So we are now, in theory, according to Bill Evans, at the top of the rate cycle. We now have 12 months to go before rates start to come back down for this sticky little thing called inflation to go back into its box. Will it end up going back to 2%? Well, maybe, and that's where in 2025, Bill Evans' forecast from Westpac is a cash rate around 2.35%. Now, if you're an investor, add some loading to that. They're obviously going to sell you money. Um, and that's where, again, you could be borrowing money at sort of 4.5% in September 2025. 
much lower than what it is today. And hopefully we get this stickiness out of the system. And again, go back to a little bit more of a fluid cash rate, which of course, again, will see a still an economic divide of the top 40% being able to deploy capital, buy more things, invest on more stuff. And again, if the bottom 60% is smart, they'll start to play the game of deploying capital and getting money into the market to outflank this little nasty thing called inflation. I think it's a an interesting lesson we're going through here because for near on 15 years, we lived in deflation. Yes, money became worthless month on month to the point where it was basically worth nothing. And uh, a lot of obviously people dined out on that fact. And now the stark reality is that we now live in a more uh, period of time where there's going to be a little bit more inflation built into the system as economics changes. And that's not such a bad thing for property investors, by the way, because it allows us to improve our cash flow position. If we think through deflation, rents never moved. If you're putting the cost of money down, it actually sees the ability for rents to grow slow. If you're putting the cost of money up, generally the correlation is rents continue to climb. And for property investors trying to obviously deploy capital to replace their income, inflation is actually a friend. I know it doesn't feel like that because of the cost to borrow money, but it absolutely is. So you've got to beat inflation. Uh, here are my rules to beating inflation. Don't change your investment goals just because the market feels volatile because the golden gopnik changes the cash rate. Don't change your long-term investment goals. If you want to retire by age 55 on a certain amount of money, you got to see this through. Because again, you could be waiting five years to go back to an inflation rate of 2%. You could be waiting a long time. Uh, and that period of time may just cost you the right property, the right place, the right position. We're already seeing, uh, for example, the Sydney market start to climb in value. Don't change your investment goals just because the market seems volatile. Second rule, take the emotion out of investing by making sure you have good cash flow management. Cash flow management is just, just critical to this whole concept of deploying capital. You want good rental returns on your properties. You want to use tax deductions on your properties. Uh, take the emotion out of it. Honestly, getting into the market is not as scary as it may seem if you've got a cash flow plan for your assets. This is how people deploy money. If you're underinvested during inflation, it's just going to be even more and more expensive expensive for you to get invested. So make sure you are not undercapitalized. The biggest problem in Australia is Australians live in a capitalist society and don't put enough capital into the marketplace. 
It's crazy. You can't live in a capitalist society and live off your wages. It just, you have to go and find socialism to live off your wages and not deploy capital. You can do it in communism, live off your wages and not deploy capital. If you live in a capitalist country as Australia is with capital markets, you have to invest. And again, I know this means people need to get outside their comfort zone, but it's just the way it works. So rule three, don't be undercapitalized in a capitalist country. Rule four, to deal with inflation, seek information, seek advice, learn, go out there, explore uh, the concepts which I'm talking about. Learn as much as you can. Be a sponge. Uh, learn from others. Uh, and get on with your life. Rule five, set some realistic investment timeframes. And again, like make sure that you're on track. Don't fall off track during periods like this. That's not wise. Get used to bad news. Uh, Obviously, news sells. If it bleeds, it leads. And of course, again, we've just got to see through what is going on so we can make informed decisions. Hopefully today, I'm helping you understand that this is this is what's going on. We're, we're getting a stickier uh, outcome and that's just going to mean rates will remain uh, at a higher rate for longer. It's just the way it's going to unfold. And again, you can use that to your advantage if you're a, uh, if you love the game of capitalism. Um, And again, if you're thinking of selling, it just means you're going to have to rebuy. So don't do it. Buy well, never sell. Because again, like capital gains tax, stamp duty, the cost will outweigh the move. And the next lesson is an important one. Learn that inflation is good for real estate because real estate has pricing power. Pricing power means real estate actually gets driven into inflation. It means that rents go up. It means that even property values go up because there's less properties produced. And so though it doesn't feel great at the moment, the effect two, three, four years from now will be spectacular. We'll probably see another huge price spike off the back of what's going on now, which is fantastic. You need the assets, you need the capital deployed to get the result later. It's just the way it works. If you think about real estate, if you buy for the now, uh, no one will ever buy anything. You need to think about, well, what I buy today can link to a better tomorrow. And of course, you need a financial framework. And again, like if you don't have a plan, then uh, you're probably, again, not understanding how capitalist countries work. You need a capital improvement plan. You need to put your capital into the market and work out how to get 100% return on your capital over a period of time. You need to work out how to get 100% return on your assets over a period of time. If you're not, if you have no framework, if you don't have a financial framework, then uh, how do you know how you're measuring success? an important part of the puzzle. And just appreciate that capital and assets 
will impact your life more than worrying about having a good night out next Saturday and that extra pizza. Now, I know that sounds so simplistic and some people will probably, uh, again, hate on that, but it's so true. Like, if it's about giving up something today, what is the most financial beneficial thing for you to do as opposed to not do? And again, like, I think we're all guilty of just, you know, do we really need that extra uh, extra event, that extra night out? Do we really need, um, you know, the extra coffee? Do we really need the extra whatever it is? If that means that you're repositioning $100 uh, a week into real estate, then go do it. It's not a massive sacrifice. I mean, we don't live in the third world. Like all we're talking about is probably just, um, you know, changing the way you you consume to deploy capital. And again, I'll probably get hate on that because again, a lot of people are like, well, who are you to tell me how to live? And I'm honestly, I'm no one. I'm just sharing information that I've learned over the years. And I can tell you a little bit of pain equals a lot of gain. And uh, it's just the way it works, you know, um, you know, put yourself through it and and you'll get to the other side. I mean, Tabitha, a lady I work with, I value very much. She has a great sort of saying is, you know, comfort equals dying dreams. And if you're not prepared to get out of your comfort zone, do something, you'll just sit on the sidelines and watch those dreams fade away because it always gets harder. The older we get, the less money we can borrow. Uh, perhaps we grow, we have more kids, the less money we can borrow, the less capital we can deploy. So don't sit on the fence is the message today. But also equally, we've got a government that is exacerbating um, the Golden Gopnik's job. And uh, it's probably fair to say the Golden Gopnik will win probably the Golden Gopnik Award, Philip, uh, Philip Lowe, uh, at the end of the year, in the last show of the year, but uh, certainly now we're starting to see government make inroads into a sharp second place. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode as we talk more real estate. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.